This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from ClickOrlando.com, this is News 6 at 5.30. This is a News 6 Plus takeover. Here now is Matt Austin and Ginger Gadston with Florida's 4th Estate. Hey everyone and welcome to Florida's 4th Estate. Today we have another fantastic show. It is all about power and who has it. I'm Ginger Gadsden. That's right. I'm just going to do deadlifts for the whole show. So that's what we're no, going to do. So we're going to show raw, <laughs> unadulterated power. I'm just kidding. I'm Matt Austin. Glad you're with us. We're talking real power, political power. And if you want to move something in the state of Florida, if you want something to happen, you got to know somebody and you got to have some of that sweet, sweet cheddar. So to guide us through our top five list today of most powerful special interests, we have one of our favorites, Scott Maxwell, columnist with the Orlando Sentinel. Joining us, Scott, thank you so much for joining us on Florida's Fourth Estate again. My pleasure. You guys are fun to chat with. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, you know, I love that we have you on like a power episode because you're a pretty powerful guy. People kind of fear you a little bit, Scott. Do you like that reputation? Uh, sure. I think only the people who know me fear me and they dislike me as well. But other than that, no, I'm, pretty I'm pretty good with it. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody who knows you likes you, Scott Maxwell. So so let's start just by talking about the state of Florida, which I know you know very well, what it takes to get things done in Florida. We've seen, you and I have talked many times about, say, like the texting and driving law, something like that, that really has no money behind it, but the majority of Floridians agree that something should be done about it. Those things will just sit and lie in wait forever. Meanwhile, strange things like laws about liquor or theme parks seem to just get moved right to the front. Why is that? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Now, it, it's long been said that money is the mother's milk of politics. I've never really liked that expression because I think of mother's milk as something pretty nice and nurturing. I mean, <laughs> the money we're, that we're, milk we're talking about here is like fetid and sour. It corrupts the whole uh, process. But yeah, money really makes everything move. And it's, it's not just the money that goes directly to campaigns. It's the behind the scenes machinations, the favors lobbyists do uh, for politicians to help them uh, get elected. And like you say, issues like texting uh, while driving that virtually everyone thought should be cracked down on took years, as you know better than most uh, people, to move forward because there was no money behind it. Another one that I've written a lot about that uh, sort of makes my heart ache is uh, the, the the services for special needs families, families who have, who have children with profound disabilities. The waiting list for services in that state is like an average, an average, mind you, of seven years. There are children who are born and die before they get help. And that's because there's no big money supporting, uh, you know, children with, uh, with those problems. Oh, that's especially yeah. disgusting. Doesn't it though? And I understand why you don't want to call it mother's milk. That's more like curdled, uh, something yeah. that you 
We don't want anything to do with it. And it goes sour really fast. Uh, so with that being said, Scott, is it ever going to change? No, I don't. I do not think so. In fact, every indication that it's only going to get worse. Um, the Supreme Court a number of years ago basically equated money with free speech. I do not have a law degree, but I think the Supreme Court got it wrong. I believe our founding fathers meant for free speech to mean just that. It had to do with speech. Uh, you can stand on a street corner and say whatever you want without the fear of government arresting you for it. Uh, they equated, however, unlimited cash and in often cases anonymous uh, and hidden unlimited cash with speech and that seems to be the dominant player in politics. Well, on that bleak note of how things yeah. are only getting worse. Bring and... me in for a little pick-me-ups. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we don't bring Scott in for the happy episodes, but we do have some fun in amid all the chaos. So with that, let's begin, and we're going to go in reverse order. Normally, we start with five and work down, but today we're starting with the number one most powerful special interest group in Florida. And I think it fits, Scott, that the most powerful special interest group on your list is the power companies. Yes, and I have to admit, I, I, I chose a little bit like that. And by the way, that music sounds like Darth Vader just entered the show. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's, that's kind of what we're going for. Jaws, maybe. Uh, yeah, and I, I did that on purpose for powerful influences. I think you can talk about the power companies. And one of the other reasons I chose them is because there's an example I think a lot of your viewers probably remember. Last year, there was a big bill that ended up passing the legislature that wanted to give residential homeowners who have solar energy less credit for the energy they generate to run their homes. And, and the, the example of what I tell people about this is nobody goes to Tallahassee wanting to get elected, thinking, you know what my goals are? It's not schools, it's not education, it's not better roads. I want homeowners to get less credit for the clean energy they generate, all right? So I think just think through that process and you realize that's how it works. The reason it works is because power companies, particularly Florida Power and Light, FPL, which is one of the biggest in, the, in America, gives gobs of money uh, to politicians and to the parties. In this case, the Miami Herald actually found records that showed it was FPL lobbyists that wrote uh, the legislation. The legislators didn't write it themselves, which you would like to think if you watch Schoolhouse Rock and I'm just a bill. It was uh, FPL who wrote it, hand delivered it to the legislators and then accompanied it or followed it up with big checks. So that's how those kind of bills uh, uh, get passed. But it's not, as I mentioned before, it's not just the money. FPL has been involved in all sorts of things. They've had operatives that were involved in ghost candidate scandals uh, to sort of help these senators who approve their rate increases uh, get elected. So there's a lot of behind the scenes player and power companies uh, are pretty hefty at it. Do you think no one would notice that they were helping with the writing of all of this? I don't think they care. There's really no, uh, I don't think there, there has been no repercussions uh, for this. In this final case, uh, Ron DeSantis, to his credit, the governor, did veto this bill because it was a genuinely awful bill. And I think he'd been trying to burnish his uh, green credentials. Uh, but, uh, but overall, when we write stories, uh, that that expose uh, special interests for funneling money to politicians, the politicians usually get reelected. And that's in large part because they have a lot of those special interest money uh, to, to run ads and really blanket the uh, the airwaves. The, the, the candidates that FPL bankrolled and that supported their uh, legislation had more money than almost any of their opponents, and, and they won. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating because they don't just operate on, hey, we'll give you money if you do what we want. It's if you don't do what we want, you will be punished. 
and we will put someone else in your seat, which is just a terrifying way to operate. So on I that think, note, I think one of the words I've come to appreciate is transactional. That that's the way uh, politics works, probably nationwide, certainly nationwide, but really in Florida, uh, it seems to be do me this and I'll do you that. And, and the public is often last in line. I never want to be a number on your list. <laughs> you don't want to be an enemy of FPL no. and you don't want to be a no. number on our I mean, list. Not gonna, if you did like the top five cutest babies and then put that sound effect before each yeah. one of them. We do it. We'll do it. I'm That's next week. Is Yoda. The, so, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So, number two, we're talking about tourism. That is a big daddy one. Yeah, and, and that's one thing that I think is worth reminding people because there's been a lot of hubbub about the the battle between the governor and Disney over the Don't Say Gay and the Reedy Creek. But the reality is tourism is still pulling the strings and Disney was still pulling the strings with Ron DeSantis. One of the uh, best examples is there was a social media crackdown bill. You may remember that where they wanted to crack down on Facebook and Twitter for for running platforms that were in a way that were too woke or too anti-conservative in the governor's mind. Well, Disney lobbyists went to the governor's staff and said, hey, do whatever you want with the bill, but we don't want to uh, be uh, impacted by it. And Disney is a media company. So they inserted language into this bill, which the governor signed that said, uh, this applies to every media company in Florida, unless you happen to also own a theme park. <laughs> that, that makes no sense. A, a, a judge ended up overruling this, but he even took time out to say, what the hell were you people doing with this? Uh, why, why would you exempt somebody uh, that owns a theme park unless it was because they gave you money and they gave DeSantis about $50,000? That's just one example, but there are, there are lots of them. Another really goofy one in this state, there is a something called a high crime tax break. And if you if I say it quickly, it sounds great. It sounds like uh, you're going to give... Uh, uh, tax incentives and breaks to companies that are going to invest in high crime areas. I think a lot of people would like that. However, the number one recipient of those high crime tax breaks is Universal Studios. Uh, and, and the only crimes there are maybe the price of the butter beer and the wands, which are probably second degree misdemeanors in right. my estimate, yes. uh, estimation. And every time we've written about this for the better part of a decade, Every legislator we interview, Republican or Democrat, goes, you're right, this law has been really warped. It should not uh, work this way. And then they keep it. Universal or Disney will host the legislators at their theme parks. They will bring them in for retreats right before the session. They will treat them to meals, to tickets, to VIP stays, and bills like that stay right in place. Coming up, we've already covered a lot of ground, but we still have three categories left. Stay with us as we take a look at the other big special interest groups that call Florida home. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Florida's Fourth Estate, where we have been breaking down the top special interest groups in our state with Orlando Sentinel columnist Scott Maxwell. 
We've already covered number one, power companies, and number two, the tourism industry. Time to see what takes the number three spot. Okay, this is another very hot one in the news as Florida has been basically underwater, both literally and figuratively, in the insurance game. People's insurance costs are rising to insure their home, and it has really put a strain on a lot of Floridians. And what do politicians keep doing? They keep saying, let's hold a special session, and the amount of answers they come up with at these special sessions is lacking, Scott. And I would imagine that's because the insurance companies are in their ear just telling them what to do. Yeah, the solutions they often come up with are about as effective as a screen door on a submarine. And uh, you're right. I think we've had two special sessions on this. And I'll be the first to admit, this is complicated. I'm personally of the belief that Florida is just in a uniquely screwy position where Mother Nature has basically said, hey, I'm not sure you guys should have moved here. Uh, And so I I think ultimately we're going to move to a system that's going to be heavily subsidized. But what they end up doing, as you just referred to, is it's one bailout for insurance companies after another, which might be okay if it ended up in lower rates uh, for consumers. But even the legislators themselves Uh, often admit, as they just did, that you're not going to see lower rates. We have higher rates than most any state in America. They give the insurance company more money. Consumers do not see the benefits. This is one of those topics. Anytime it comes up, we have one of our investigators, Lewis Bolden, who has done a series of reports on this, and citizens in particular. And we we all have to have the insurance. We do our due diligence. We pay it every month on time. And the minute you need them, they're out. How is that even allowed? And Ginger, that is an excellent point because one of the things that sort of the scapegoats and all in this is that it is lawyers. Uh, the politicians in Tallahassee like to blame the lawyers. And there are absolutely some uh, some scummy lawyers out there. Um, and there are some who do fraudulent practices. I say crack down on them. But when you hear the, uh, the governor or the legislators talk about Uh, One of these examples, they'll give an example that says, well, you know, at the end of the day, the consumer got a verdict where they only got $50,000 and the the attorney got $200,000. Well, that sounds bad. And I'll, I'll grant you, we might like a different split. But what they gloss over is there was a verdict in the first place. And the only way a verdict comes out in one of these cases is what you just talked about, Ginger. It's when some, when a company improperly denies a duly paying customer the money there to which they're entitled, and they're forced to go to court to try to sue the insurance to do what they are they were supposed to do in the in the first place. And so the solution we just had that was just passed in part in this session is to make it harder for citizens who are paying their bills to get insurances to pay the claim. Yeah, that should fix it, right? If you go and you win 50000 and then you have to pay 200000 to your lawyer, that'll, that'll fix all of our problems because nobody will sue anymore, even if they are in the right. That sounds like it's going to be great yeah. for the consumer. You know? All right, let's talk about big sugar, not so sweet. That's right. And this is sort of a combination of big sugar, which has traditionally uh, long been a powerful force here, really responsible for fouling the Everglades, which we turned into a virtual toilet bowl uh, down in South Florida, but also big agriculture in general. And these are the forces that I think play the most on two, two different fronts. One, they stop environmental protection efforts, and they also thwart immigration reform. This is something, immigration reform is something that politicians in this state have been talking, yapping about forever. But what they do not do 
do is they do not crack down on the companies that are exploiting undocumented workers. And uh, the Farm Bureau itself has been very candid that more than 50%, more than half of the people they have working in the tomato fields around Immokalee or in the corn fields up here in Central Florida, more than half of them are undocumented. The agriculture industry has gone to Tallahassee repeatedly and said, let us keep exploiting these workers. The, the politicians have said, yes, they will. They've refused to implement things like mandatory E-Verify. And then on the environmental side, uh, we spend gobs of money. And when I say gobs, I mean billions and billions of dollars cleaning up messes we make. We do not, we do much less of preventing those that pollution in the first place. And that's often because agriculture and other businesses uh, don't want to sort of curb their own efforts. They'd rather have taxpayers pay the bill. Yeah, hey, it's, it would be a lot easier just to keep it clean on the front end than to clean up all the mess uh, on the back end. I have always, the comparison I've used, if you are a fan of red wine, would you try to not spill the red wine on your carpet? Or would you say, I wanna spend $5,000 on a really good carpet cleaner? I think that makes sense to the average person, but in, in Tallahassee and in Florida, we keep spending money on the cleanup instead of preventing. Well, it depends. How much is the carpet cleaner kicking me back on the backside? Because that's, that's, what, that's what's really happening in this. I can't get right. over how sugar is subsidized. Like the price of sugar, every American subsidizes it to make sugar a specific price. And you know what Americans get for that? They get to pay double the price of sugar than everyone else in the world. Okay, this one is a little interesting and different. And uh, Scott, this is more of a power that we haven't seen too often in the state of Florida, and it's the power of the governor right now. That's right. And this is sort of a curveball I decided to throw in there. And that is because uh, there is nothing, there is no force really shaping public, public policy in Florida right now. Uh, more than Ron DeSantis, more than virtually any of those special interests uh, I just mentioned, and, and his presidential uh, ambitions. Uh, right now, uh, his his ambitions are driving everything from permitless carry, uh, the stop woke laws, the uh, sort of the assault on diversity and uh, inclusion efforts at universities, the war on AP classes, which is a weird one, the bans on books that we have going on. Uh, I have never, I've been here about 25 years covering politics, I've never seen one person uh, wield more influence over the policy that that's impacted statewide than we have with uh, Ron DeSantis right now. But yeah. it's important to mention one other little thought um, that I, all four of those other things, the special interests, in most cases, the governor is also doing the things that they want. Uh, he is a sort of fashions himself as, a, as this sort of populist anti-corporate overlord, uh, but there's a reason he is still collecting more money than anybody else for most of the interests that we just mentioned. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been fascinating to watch, and I agree. I haven't seen a Florida politician wield as much power as he has, but it was similar to what we saw Donald Trump do. He came in uh, to the Republican Party, and, and you know people were mixed about it, and then the next thing you know, you didn't, you didn't cross him, and he was the guy, he was the face. That's sort of what uh, DeSantis did in the state of Florida. Now the question is, as he and Donald Trump sort of attack each other more trump going after desantis right now we're going to have to see how that all shakes out which is going to be fascinating thing yeah i mean it's it, everyone's pretty sure i mean if you're a betting person you're probably going to bet that he is going to announce but he hasn't announced yet but they're still sort of campaigning against each other 
Yeah, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't expect uh, Ron DeSantis to run for president. But right now, it looks like Donald Trump's attacks on our governor are not doing Donald Trump a whole lot of uh, favors. Yeah, and uh, certainly Donald Trump expects him to run for president. That's why he's spending so much time talking about him. Ron hey. DeSanctimonious. He doesn't come up with a nickname unless he feels threatened. Right, that's the truth. And he says he's not going to call him Meatball Ron, even though yeah. he did call him Meatball Ron in the actual response. Uh, Scott Maxwell, I always enjoy a conversation with you, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us on Florida's Fourth Estate. If you want to see his work, which, by the way, as good as he is at talking, he is even better with these guys. He is a fantastic writer and he gives you lots of perspective even if you disagree on some of the things he says it's always good uh, to check out the other side of things so scott maxwell thank you so much we appreciate you absolutely my pleasure you guys are tough scott maxwell is great again he is the columnist at the orlando sentinel you can see his work in print and online and of course you can catch florida's fourth estate anytime from wherever you listen to podcasts it's also available anytime on news six plus Just download the app to your smart TV and start watching.